hurt, of a part of the body to suffer, to cause mental pain or distress to a person or their feelings, be detrimental to. This week, we have the pleasure of talking with my former youth pastor, Mark Cox, about the difference between church hurt and God hurt. Check it out. This is The Reckless Pursuit, a podcast crafted and created to dive deep into what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in a modern day world. We span topics across the board to seek out truth and to gain a deeper understanding of one another, to find common ground and answers to life's hardest questions. We all have a story and a struggle, a calling and a conviction. Together, let's take a hard look at ourselves and effort to view what others see so we can be the best reflection of Christ possible. I'm Cody. And I'm Elaine. Now, let's get reckless. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 11. So today's guest has been on Mindy Lane's heart pretty much ever since we've even talked about making a podcast. And his name is Mark, he is Elaine's uh, former youth pastor, and he has been there for her through a lot. So Elaine, tell us a little bit about y'all's relationship and and who Mark is to you. Well, like you said, Mark is my former youth pastor. He's my youth pastor whenever I was in eighth grade, all the way through my senior year of high school. I was actually one of the leaders in our youth group, and Mark has just really impacted my walk with God and has just really helped me through the good times and the bad times, and um, is somebody that I still keep in contact with today. Mark also um, instilled a lot of leadership qualities within me and just really allowed me to step outside of my comfort zone and helping other people. I've really been looking forward to this interview, just taking the time to get to actually have a, an in-depth conversation with Mark, and and I was really excited to hear um, what he had to say about today's topic. So we're just going to jump right into this, but first, just a quick word for today's sponsor, Cedar Temple Trade Company. They are an awesome apparel and home good company, Christian apparel and home good company, and they have a promo code for you at the end of the episode or in the show notes below, so check them out. And let's get right into today's conversation. We're talking with Mark Cox on the differences of church hurt and God hurt. Here it is. So, uh, Mark, I guess we can open this thing up um, and just tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into today's topic. All right. Well, um, I am uh, 35. I was, uh, I I met Elaine. Um, She was at a uh, youth event, I remember, and she was skating, uh, and, uh, and she was uh, part of our student ministry and, uh, got, uh, got connected and, uh, she, uh, she was, uh, she was really awesome in the student ministry, always was a, uh, available, uh, serving, helping, um, and, uh, and stepped up into leadership. And so that's how I got to know Lane. I, I was there doing student ministry and at Indian Springs Baptist Church in uh, Bryant, Arkansas, there for about seven years. And uh, we moved to Columbus, Ohio in 2014, uh, September 2014, to plant a church. Uh, so we planted Access Church, and, uh, and so our family is uh, still here. Uh, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Christy, who I met at uh, college. We went to Liberty University together, and uh, we have three boys, an uh, eight-year-old named Kipton, five-year-old named Caden, and a three-year-old named Cohen. And so just a lot of energy, 
and excitement, church planting, and uh, I'm a bivocational pastor, so I'm busy with parenting, busy with work, busy with pastoring, and uh, and enjoying every second of it. So that's about it. I'm a Buckeyes fan uh, for all of you who are in Arkansas, um, and uh, I know that's not popular. Insult, I'm a Cavs. Right? I'm a Cavs. <laughs> I know, right? I'm a Cleveland Cavs fan, so we're rooting for the Cavs to Cavs to uh, win the NBA Finals. And uh, I'm a Red Sox fan, so. That pretty much covers it. And I'm a coffee addict, so. Well, we can have common ground there. <laughs> there you go. So. Common ground. I see what you did there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Hebrews, you know. <laughs> um. So what's it like being bivocational after, you know, like leaving here, being, uh, you know, in, in student ministry and then going and being a pastor and now being bivocational? How's that transition treating you? Uh, well, the, that transition is actually brand new. Uh, we've been on uh, fundraising support for the last uh, three and a half years, and um, yeah. that has essentially naturally uh, taken ran, ran its course. And um, So it's a very new transition. It's about a month, month and a half old for us. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's been a, uh, a slap in the face schedule-wise. Oh, yeah. I will say that. Oh, man. Um, you know, I've... I've um, I will say, I, I mean, I graduated college with a biblical studies degree and a call to be a youth pastor. And so I started right out of college <clears throat> working at a church. And so uh, this at 35, after however long I've been in ministry, um, this is the first time I will earn, um, will not earn a paycheck from a church. And uh, it's been a wild uh, difference. I'm not keeping up very well. I'll say I'm I'm uh, not spinning all my plates correctly, uh, so just uh, trying to make sure that I'm being the best uh, husband and father that I can be and uh, having to learn how to disappoint people in the best way <laughs> as a bivocational yep, church I, I completely understand that because, <laughs> so, you know, I it hasn't been too long, I guess about a year or so us transitioning, about a year and a half, I guess, us transitioning out of drawing a paycheck from a church too. And then very recently, like the beginning of this year, like not making anything from a church. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand, you know, it's an yep. interesting transition. It is a culture shock. And uh, real quick, before we dive into the actual topic here, what, um, what's it like transitioning from a youth pastor position, which of course everyone, you know, if you've been in youth ministry, you know that you don't just do youth ministry when you're a youth pastor, but right. what's it like transitioning from that into a, a full-time pastor? Like what's the difference, you know, responsibility? Yeah. Wise and... There's, there's actually like the two level jumps in that are youth pastor to lead pastor, but there's also like this established church with a building and a budget right. supplies to, uh, everything has to happen. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everything is either in your house or at Starbucks. Um, you know, you rent a school, you set up and tear down. Um, so I will say that uh, my nature is like a pretty like low key, low maintenance. Like, you know what, whatever comes, we'll deal with it. I'm fine. Uh, I don't really get freaked out by a lot, um, but it'll test your stamina for sure. Um, I can imagine. You know, it'll test your faith at times because you're also, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people like business owners, especially small business owners and entrepreneurs related to, you know, startup companies where you're trying to get your name out. You're trying to help people understand who you are and, and get your story out there. And, um, and we're in a city that, um, so, so what I'll say is this, I, <laughs> uh, I, I have, I've had moments where I thought, I wonder what it would have been like to plant a church in Arkansas because I had a network 
Uh, I had, uh, you know, resources. I had a rhythm and everything, and I wouldn't have had to move, and I would have, everyone would have very clearly understood what we were doing. Um, but we felt a call to come to Columbus for a lot of reasons. Um, Columbus is where we started our ministry career. We uh, saw the need here. We also have family here. We feel at home here. Uh, not that we don't feel at home, you know, other places, but this is where we grew up um, in the Midwest. And Columbus is, in, uh, is the 14th largest city in America, um, which most people don't realize, which is exciting, but it's also difficult because there's a lot going on. So what I'll say is that it was, um, it was a tall order and it, and it hasn't gotten any shorter. <laughs> So um, it's fun. It's, it's for sure fun. And, and I would say that it's been uh, the most challenging thing I've ever been involved in. But I'm, uh, I'm glad we stepped out. And uh, we've experienced God do some pretty amazing things. Um, and it may not be like a huge church or a huge budget, but um, just real life on life, like learning together uh, and, and seeking God together. It's been, it's been a joy for sure. Yeah. What's the difference like leaving the Bible Belt, I guess, and planting a church? Is there a big difference culture-wise from? Huge. Um, we have we have found that a ton of people here. Um, well, here's what I would say: the the majority of the conversations that we had with people for the first two or three years were um, people just don't go to church. They might go on Easter. They might go on Christmas. The whole deal, you know. Um, in the South, everyone's a Christian <laughs> and right. everyone yeah. belongs to a church. You know, like you, you may not go to church, but you belong to a church. And, and uh, the problems I always had in the South were, and, and not that there's not, you know, pros, there's cons of both, you know, but the problems in the South are people may uh, assume they're a Christian because they grew up in church, because they went to Sunday school, because this or that. Um, kind of feels like a name tag situation. Like if I've got the name tag on, I'm in. Um, but in the North, um, there's a ton of just, it's just a distance issue. Like it's a, we just have never gone to church and we don't really see, I don't know where we're at. So we're in Metro Columbus, um, in a very suburban area, lots of young families. Um, and there are plenty of people here who, um, well, and I'll, I'll say this too, to add to it. We're in a city that is pretty liberal politically, theologically. Um, so the stuff that would be commonplace in church in the South is by no means commonplace here. Um, so, so you're just, you're just on some different ground. Um, things that are, are um, just understood to be true in the South may not be understood to be true in the North. And so you're having to, you're having to, rather than uh, set up a service, and just hope people come, you're really having to be on their turf. Um, so we, we go to every party we get invited to. We invite people over to our house as often as possible. Um, we, we have a lot of meals, a lot of coffee shop dates, a lot of stuff like that. Um, we go to every football game that we're in, everything. And uh, so our goal is just to be very present, very incarnational, um, to use a church buzzword there. Um, but just to be available and be with people left and right. And so we are still around a ton of people who uh, may or may not go to church. And we're not, you know, obviously trying to push people to go to church. We're trying to invite people into 
a relationship with Jesus. And, uh, yeah. and I would say it's, it's a long game. And, um, you know, we've seen some people accept Christ. We've seen some, we've even seen more recently, we've seen people raise their hands for salvation in a service, for example, or have gospel conversations either in our living room or around our dinner table or at a coffee shop. Um, I was able to lead our Son of Christ. Actually, my wife, excuse me, my wife was able to lead our Son of Christ, and I was able to baptize him last uh, last fall. So that was exciting. That's Kipton. Awesome. Um, so stuff like that has been like <clears throat> fuel for our journey for sure. Um, but it is it is nothing like church in the South. And uh, so you play by different <laughs> rules. Um, you, you essentially, you bring your Bible and, uh, you know, a little bit of experience, but everything else is trash. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's, right. it's just, uh, it's just a different game. Well, Mark, uh, so the conversation, of course, that we're wanting to have today is just about, uh, you know, church hurt versus God hurt. Yeah. And of course, like you're talking about here in the Bible belt, you know, there's just a lot of, uh, like you said, a lot of people that claim Christianity, but they don't necessarily live by that. And then of course you're dealing with a different animal up there where it's people are more, more distant from the from the whole idea but i think the universal thing is there's a lot of of church hurt and there's a lot of you know i guess there's a lot of one of the two and today we're going to try to figure out which one is which and and what kind of spurred this off is uh, i was talking with my good friend and she was listening to our podcast and she had asked us like why we used scripture and stuff in the podcast a whole lot if we were attempting to reach people with church hurt and she's like, you know, a lot of times people with church hurt, like they don't want to hear scripture. And I told her, well, I said, well, a lot of times that's more of a God hurt thing, not as much of a church hurt. And I think like it kind of maybe caught her off guard and she didn't realize like, oh, there's a difference in those things, you know, because like it was just a miscommunication on our part uh, between she and I. But I think it really caught her off guard realizing like, oh, man, like there's a you know, there's people that have church hurt, but then there's people that, you know, feel like they're, they have a, a God hurt. So yeah. what, uh, what would you say the difference in church hurt and God hurt is? Uh, the difference, uh, between church hurt and God hurt. Um, I would have to say that church hurt, um, because it, I mean, if you're looking at these two circles, they overlap a lot. Oh yeah. Um, Definitely. but I would say church hurt feels a lot more like when the people of the church hurt or disappoint you uh, or you perceive that you've been hurt by them. That's probably that's as I've been thinking about this leading up to uh, this recording, I've been thinking like so much of it is perceived and maybe not even real, but um, Oh yeah. And some, and by, by the way, some of it is absolutely real <laughs> um, right. yeah. and, uh, and on purpose. Um, and then God hurt would be sometimes when maybe you perceive or, or feel um, and those feelings are very real that uh, maybe God has, disappointed you left you let you down abandoned you um you know that um, i grew up learning something about god and i went out into this world and lived that out and i felt uh disappointed because you know my perception is that that's not true um so i think god hurt could be any any number of things and and i think it's very real right now because you've got like this girl for example I don't know her. I don't know exactly what her experience has been, but I think this culture has very much taught people like her to um, <clears throat> not play on that turf, right? We're, we're taught to like, well, keep that to yourself. That's your beliefs and, and you can have those, but don't push those on other people. Um, and I get why 
that kind of thing is communicated. But man, I just have to respond. Like, if we believe this to be the absolute most true thing in the world, then then of course, like, I want to share it. You know, there's the, there's this, is this a Christian podcast or a non-Christian podcast? Am I a Christian rapper or am I just a rapper who appears to be, or, you know, happens to be a Christian, you know, and there's like this, well, we don't rap about this or we don't talk about this or when we have non-Christian friends over, we don't really, you know, there's that, there's that, um, and, I'll, and I'll say this, as a church planner who grew up as a Christian teenager, then college student, then young adult, I know what it's like to say things like, well, I have my beliefs, but I don't push them on anybody. And that feels very comfortable, and I can live that out. But at the end of the day, as a church planner, it's not that I would, it's not that I would say I'm pushing anything on anybody, but I would say, like, I do want to invite people into a relationship with God. So I, I can no longer live in this, like, man, we, I don't know, like, I don't know, that, that, that's the thing. And I, that's where I think maybe church hurt happens is that someone comes with their presets of we don't push our religion on other people or our faith on other people, our beliefs on other people, uh, which is like that, that thought process is cranked to an 11 in our culture right now. That is like the most real thing that people don't want to be having this stuff pushed on them. And so they experience a little bit of church hurt. They experience a little bit of some of that and it overlaps with the whole God thing. Uh, but I think, I think mostly if you were to, I think if you were to read the research, people, people are super disappointed with the church and people inside the church. They're not so disappointed with God. I think they still respect Jesus. I think they still think Jesus was a good man and maybe that he was the son of God, but they would say that we don't look like Jesus and that that is the source of the disappointment right. would be my guess. Yeah, I think we uh, oftentimes we, we get hurt in churches and I, I know her, you know, background and everything. It's, and she has a completely legitimate reason to, have, you know, like she was hurt. Absolutely. It hasn't pulled her out of the church. She still has, you know, is actively a part of, of her church, but you know, where she's been, she was hurt. And then I think that like the realization there of like that, the overlap, I guess yeah. of, you know, a lot of times whenever, you you're hurt by people within a church and the church is supposed to be the representation of Christ. Like you were saying, it's, it's sometimes we can maybe put that the wrong way and, and maybe take that out and, and think it's God hurting us. So in reality, it's just, you know, it's just people being people. Well, and also like, there's a lot of people who, you know, love God and like follow God, but hate church and like won't <laughs> step foot in a church and like do church, like out in nature or go fishing. And that's where they find like their relationship with God and stuff. And so, like, if you were hurt and somebody was in the wrong, um, some people may realize, like, okay, but that wasn't God. But then you have other people who are like, well, if they're like that, then God's like that, and I don't want that in my life. Yeah. Yeah, and I will say it's super brave of her to experience that hurt and then to continue pushing. Like, that's not common, and uh, I would applaud that for sure. What would you say to someone who maybe has – stepped away from the church like that and has decided to find God, you know, maybe try to attempt to find God elsewhere or, or what say you, and, and maybe they're just really weary because of something that's happened. One of my um, convictions in life and uh, equally in church planting. Um, so just as a, as a Christian who desires to make disciples, one of the things that I just can't get out of my head is this desire to walk slowly with people and to be available. 
So um, I'm not the kind of guy that tries to close the deal <laughs> at like coffee and be like, what's holding you back from accepting Jesus or getting involved in, you know, like that's just, yeah. you can even hear by my like caricature of an <laughs> accent, <laughs> like, you know, what kind of situation I grew up in. Uh, I, Cause I've been in those meetings. I've had people um, do that. I, the, the example that I had, um, in my life was my youth pastor, Danny Anderson, who is now the, the lead pastor of Emmanuel Church in Greenwood, is just a vibrant, growing church. And I think it has a lot to do with um, just how God has used him to help people break things down to their lowest common denominator. And that's what I, that's what I would try is I would try to just, um, first of all, I think, I think that not just pastors, but Christians have to have like wide open ears and just shut their mouths and listen to people's stories. And um, because I, you know, the thing is, is that I think people are done um, being preached to. And, uh, and I think we ought to be preaching, but I think they're done being preached to. And I think that we have to be compassionate and empathetic enough, emotionally intelligent enough to listen and to stop talking so much. Um, I think, I think that people will tell you all about their stories if you will just take a minute to listen to where they're coming from. I think in most relationships that experience some sort of conflict or, or a break, um, especially relationships that, that fracture and are never to be repaired again, um, so many times the reconciliation process would show that I thought this or I felt this or I perceived this and the other person would say well no that's not what I meant that's not what I intended mm-hmm. and um, the truth is I don't know a crap ton of did I, can I say crap ton on this podcast sorry yeah, this, you are just right in the middle of this podcast like, <laughs> this is like I'm still, uh, still pretty immature um, there's not a there's not a ton of people out there that are uh, that are intending just to hurt people left and right um, I think there are a lot of people out there that may not know how to do like Christian fellowship all that well. Um, you know, we, we like the idea that we can be free to just do whatever we want, but man, it's like <clears throat> we hurt somebody, um, or maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we perceive that someone was out to get us. Um, in, in church circles, a lot of this has to do with uh, judgment. A lot of this has to do with someone being called out on sin, which is a part of Christian community. Um, we are supposed to judge each other. Like in Christian community, we're supposed to call each other up and encourage each other. And there's, listen, there's more in the Bible about, like Ephesians 4.29 would say, you know, uh, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth except that, that which edifies the hearer, um, that you may build them up. You may, you know, build up the listener. Um, I think of all the times that, um, all the, the, the one another's that we see in the, in the New Testament, the, the bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, pray for one another, help each other. Um, I think of all those moments, but, but we just, just like we're prone to do, we get, we get so in our heads about, you know, how that person did us wrong. Um, and, and then, and then, and this is what happens in my, if I can just be super transparent, if someone offends me or hurts me or something, I will be upset about it. And then I'll be alone and I'll be thinking about it. And then I start having those like imaginary conversations. You ever have those like where you're actually talking to that person 
in your head, and you've got every line, and All you're the shutting time. them down. And like, am I preaching to somebody right now? Up and down and in and out. Yep. yep. You won that conversation yep. five different ways, exactly. and they walk away with their tail exactly. chucked. Exactly. Yep. And, and and I think one of the things that that happens is <clears throat> is that is uh, an easy way that we give the devil, uh, the enemy, a foothold in our hearts, in our lives, and he who wants to steal, kill, and destroy us in our witness and our relationship with God and, and all that, he is like, if God has saved us and we have salvation in him, he will still steal, kill, and destroy other things. And I think that some things are killed, like, in our heads, like, like relationships are killed because we have this thought process that we just let multiply, and it's like a wildfire in our hearts, and we're like, and I'll never talk to this person again. I'll never forgive that. It's unforgivable what they did to me. And the truth is, it wasn't intended. And the enemy has won because we have given him authority in our life, which he does not deserve and he does not own. But we've handed it over like we just handed our wallet to somebody. Um, and and he's taken it. He's, he's, he's stolen and he's, he's killed and he's destroyed. And so I think that we have to be brave enough, kind of like your friends, to just to step back in and, 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 and be, I don't know, be strong enough, be patient enough, be not thick-skinned enough, but be, be brave enough to step in and say, you know what, I, I really want to reconcile, you know, whatever this is. So it, that, and listen, there are people for sure listening right now that are like, you know what, I've tried that. You know what? It's a pastor that hurt me, and and there's no way that he's gonna even hear anything I have to say, or the pastor did me wrong. I mean, there are people listening who would say a pastor hurt me, maybe in a physical way, maybe in a sexual way. I mean, let's be honest. It's in the news all the time. It's in the news right now, and um, and and those pastors are out to protect their positions, their salaries, their reputation, their ego, all kinds of stuff. So I understand that that some people are maybe unwilling to take that step. But if if I think the original I think I got talking. Uh, I think the original question is what would you help like if I I just would listen. I just I honestly would just try to listen to their stories. Um but I but at the end of the day for me if I believe <laughs> That all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He's given us these scriptures and he's filled us with his Holy Spirit. Then we ought to be people who have his word as our authority and are led by his spirit and are walking in the spirit. Then we ought to be people who are trying to point people back to Jesus in that walking slowly process. That's my thing. Like I'm not going to be the kind of guy who says, you know what? You deserve to be mad, and you go ahead and be mad for the rest of your life. Because at the end of the day, I don't think that's what, like, true spiritual vitality is. You know what I mean? I, now, I'm not – listen, if you've been hurt, I'm not saying that after one conversation, it's all going to get fixed. Most cases, it won't. But um, but I don't think that I can say with with honesty that I would just sit and listen and be like, you know what? I hear you. You have You have a right to be mad. And I understand it. And you go ahead and stay there. I, I'm not okay with people staying there. Um, but I'll, I'll walk with them. I think that's part of discipleship for me. It's just like that staying power of walking with somebody through their pain 
and just saying, you talk about it as long as you need to. And we'll just take little steps, just little steps here and there. So what would you, and I, I, I like the, the direction you're going there with like maybe someone who had been, I guess, wronged in a way of which they pretty much had to, to walk away yeah. at that point, you know, yeah. like we, we had interviewed um, a lady, Christy, I don't know if you caught that episode six mm-hmm. and she was talking about her story of, you know, being, you know, basically stalked in church and, and her dad was the pastor and, and kind of, they were bound by the board and it was just, it was a mess, you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, and I know she had walked away from church for a long time, just out of the, I, I can only assume kind of maybe the confusion here of church hurt versus mm-hmm. God hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and just recently had started giving it a chance again. Now she has daughters and, you know, is kind of dealing with that fear maybe a bit vicariously now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at what point, I guess, like, would you say it is okay to to move on? And what is the the process of healing look like? And, and of course, trying to find um, a, a group of people that will accept you in that process and mm. and you know still having church because i i personally believe you know i've you know i think if you ever worked in church as as a minister in any kind you're gonna have you know your share of like i don't know if i'd go as far as saying church hurt because i think to be a minister you probably got to get over the being hurt by church part but you've definitely had your share of offense with with people because that's mm-hmm. what it is you're dealing with people mm-hmm. you know so what would you say is i guess that healing process um, well, first of all, I would say um, there's so much about this that isn't black and white. You know, I wouldn't say never go back to church or you need to be in church on week one. You know, you got hurt, go back. Um, you know, everything is case by case um, for me, at least. You know, there's there's a, there's a ton of like nuance in the middle there. And um, right. I would say that, um, and I'm just going off of my experience here. I've uh, if I can just speak in generalities, I've been, um, I've been in situations where, like for instance, there was an affair in a marriage, and you've got the husband and wife who were going to church, and then there's an affair. The marriage isn't working. You can choose to go to church together, right, or be in the same room, or you can go to church in separate locations. Let's say that both of those people have felt a connection at that church, and neither one wants to leave. Um, that's difficult. It's it's just messy. There's just nothing but mess, you know, in the middle of that. Um, and I would say in a lot of cases, um, the, the wronged, the wronged better have, you know, maybe a a place to go, um, in that case, but in the case where they were wronged and that person is still there, um, for, I mean, I guess the truth is, as you were asking the question, Matthew 18 comes to mind, the whole church discipline situation which is the heavy stuff that people don't want to talk about. But um, if we truly believe that, that God's word is our authority and that, and that God has given the church um, as this institution to not only, you know, reach the nations, but also to, you know, do discipleship and fellowship, you know, and all that kind of stuff on the inside, <clears throat> I would say that, um, hopefully there's a process at this church where this person is is called to the carpet. You know what I mean? So the, the, the person who's wrong, but in a lot of cases, that's not the situation. People don't do church discipline because it seems judgmental and it seems, even though it's biblical, people don't, people don't think that sounds good, you know? Um, and so what I would say is, well, let's just say I'm, I'm talking to someone who um, maybe has been, um, 
hurt by someone inside the church, um, I would definitely say that there are plenty churches to be. And like I said, this is messy. So it's like, if this person wants to go back to that church, there's all kinds of reasons why they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to go. They wouldn't want to go maybe because the offender still goes there. They wouldn't want to, they wouldn't want to go there because they had all the memories with the offender or the, or the people. I remember one time I, I brought a friend to church who uh, might as well have had a scarlet letter A on their chest and cause, cause everyone knew their business um, and uh, walked, walked this person in church. And I remember there were several people hugging this person, but there were also several people, just the eyes were cutting sharp as knives. And, uh, and it was very brave of him uh, to go to church again. Um, and uh, it was very difficult though uh, for him to go. And I was glad he felt at home in another church later on because I kind of knew, you know what, this is probably not going to work. In a perfect world, like in, in, we'll just call it in heaven, we'll be able to reconcile with each other in a, in a you know, in a, well, of course, there's not going to be sin or anything, but I'm just saying like in a perfect kingdom situation here on earth, we would be able to reconcile with each other. But you have to have two people that are very willing to go through that process. So I, I don't know, man, I, I would just say that you've got to find a place where you feel like you're in a life-giving faith community. And if you are too stressed out by all the stuff that surrounds, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's the, the thing that happened, uh, whether it's the, what that someone said about you, whether it was the rumors that were flying, whether it was the, you know, um, the bureaucracy didn't allow for there to be true reconciliation. Um, I, I would want that person to attempt to bring reconciliation, to attempt to forgive or be forgiven. But at the end of the day, if we can just be real, um, there's a good chance that that's probably not going to happen in a lot of cases. Um, you know, both parties have to be humble. Um, has to be biblical. You know, there can't be power, too much power involved. You know, if, if you're in a position of power in church, we understand Jesus to say that we're servants of all. And uh, too many um, powerful positions in church are exactly the opposite of that. They're, they're just straight powerful. Um, so, you know, you just hope, you just hope that situations like those can be reconciled um, in, a, in a biblical manner. Like, you know, if, if you've been wronged, then you ought to be able to go to the leadership of that church. And, I, and that's where the leadership of the church has to be strong enough, but also spiritually sensitive enough to discern what's happening and to, to help bring reconciliation. And those, I don't know, in my experience, those situations aren't short. They're not easy. They're messy. They're difficult. It's not a straight line. You know, you have your one step forward, two steps back, um, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I know I'm not answering the question very well, but the truth is, is that all these situations are so messy because it could be abuse. It could be um, lies. It could be rumors. It could be betrayal. It could be uh, gossip. And gossip will kill something just as quick as anything in a church. Yeah. And um you know, we think because it's not an affair or racism or something that it's that it's okay. Um, but you know, you just hope that there can be reconciliation. Um, 
in a church, but in a lot of cases there there can't be. So there's got to be freedom to find another life-giving church, which is not, it's not fair, but sometimes it's necessary. I guess on the opposite spectrum of like having hurt from God, um, how would you like suggest somebody, you know, I guess like getting over that hurt or like facing figure, it. yeah, facing that hurt from God. Or I guess say uh, maybe not hurt from God, but your feelings of hurt with God. Yeah, yeah. or like you're angry at God or something that he didn't like, prom- like you didn't see his promises or something. Like mm-hmm. how do you like get past that? Yeah, I will say that um, when people experience those kinds of issues, I'm just really hoping and praying they're in community and they can process that they can process that out. Um, I am thankful for being uh, around some close friends when I have experienced some of my worst seasons in my life um, where I can be raw and uh, and just real. Um, I will say this. I have experienced a couple major seasons like peaks on the spectrum where I was mad at God. And some of them were in the last five years. Um, some of them were, were me questioning God's promises. Some of them were me questioning theological uh, stances that I've held for a long time and, and that what I see doesn't match up with that. Some of them are just the real raw, ugly stuff that this world has to offer. Like, how do you, how do you reconcile when a child trusts a parent or a leader in the church, and that and that trust gets abused, um, you know, with some of the ugliest stuff, with like even trafficking or sexual abuse in, inside of a church um, that gets covered up. You know, that's the stuff that makes me, and probably everyone listening, question to some degree, like God, what what in the world? How how could this be happening? And I. And I, I've had situations in my life where I questioned God because I thought he should have acted uh, quicker or he should have acted uh, differently. Um, that he, you know, like, God, I'm here sacrificing, I'm praying, I'm spending time with you, and I'm reading your word, and I thought it was going to go differently. And, um, and in those seasons, I think um, the way I describe it is this, uh, you know, if I'm in the middle of it, it feels kind of like a battle or a war, like on a war field, like, and it feels like you're in the middle of it. You can't really see what's happening around you. All you can see is what's happening in front of you. Dirt is flying, bullets are flying, explosions, all this kind of stuff. But if you were to look at that from a bird's eye view, from like a helicopter perspective, you would have a very clear understanding of what that other person is going through. And when you're in community with people, I just give a real life example. I have a couple friends that I have like a group text with and every once in a while we'll jump on a video chat together, a Google Hangout or something, and we'll just talk and, and chat about what's going on. And and essentially we're able to sometimes call each other out on our crap, but also other times just be like, Man, that sucks. That yeah. um that's really hard. Um, I'm praying for you. Um here's here's a couple thoughts uh from the bible here's a couple thoughts just practical advice for how to walk this out um but every time uh i've been uh in those situations i've been thankful to be in community now i understand that's not everyone's situation um so so those of us who tend to isolate ourselves i think if i can just offer (laughs) 
unsolicited advice to this person who's listening. Um, isolation is probably one of the most dangerous things you can do when you're walking through oh, yeah. uh, a situation like that. And, and, I, and I just think, I just think this, I think that God is big enough for our questions. So I, I was, I was uh, listening to y'all's last podcast about questioning God and, um, and it, it does, it's, it's kind of, it kind of overlaps this conversation because for me, I think God is big enough. Um, there's been times where I have um, on my knees, crying, ugly crying, like, God, what, is, what in the world is wrong with, with this world, with me, with you? What, what, what am I missing? And I think God is big enough for that. Um, and uh, I hope, I, I may find out when I get to heaven if I was being arrogant. I think there's times I've definitely been arrogant, um, you know, that I, maybe I deserve something more than, than people across the world right now who are experiencing much more difficult pain. You know, but I'm upset about this or that, you know, kind of first world problem situation. Um, but uh, isolation is where I go when I know I'm being unhealthy. It's where I go when I know I don't want anyone in my life. I just want to I just want to quietly disconnect. And, uh, you know, the people in my life know that when I'm isolating myself, that I need a phone call, that I need a text, that I need uh, to go out for coffee or wings or something like that. You know, like I need I need some time with my wolf pack um just to just to walk through some of this stuff so um the the catch one too about this is that if we're talking about you know church hurt i know we're talking about god hurt right now but like in how these things overlap they might not feel like they have someone maybe this is someone who literally did something awful and they know they're wrong but their church has turned their back on them and so they're not isolating themselves on purpose just no one will take a meeting with them no one will help them out um, I think you got to find, you know, common ground with someone, fellowship with someone, you know, be able to, maybe, maybe it's a new church. And I get, again, it's messy. It's all messy, but you want to be in a place where maybe you can, can walk this out, you know, with someone, you know, I know that life isn't perfect, but, but I think God is big enough for those. I don't isolate myself from God and I don't isolate myself from people. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a wonderful thing too, touching on how you were saying, like, even if you do end up having to find somewhere new that we live in, if you're listening in the United States of America, you know, and, and a lot of most of first world countries, you know, around the world, like we have the freedom to be able to do church a lot of different ways. So if, if you were hurt by big church, then there's tiny church, yep. there's, yep. there's coffee shop church, there's, there's small group communities, you know, there's there's internet church and there's communities all over you can get involved in to, to, you know, to get that, that, um, I guess that community you need that, that aspect, because, you know, it's getting alone with God and getting alone out of hurt are two very different things. And I completely agree. You know, whenever I, I'm in my place of hurt, um, you know, I can typically, <laughs> you know, you just, you just kind of turtle up and yeah. you kind of huddle in your corner and, it's kind of like, you know, Jesus in the wilderness, he went off to pray, but what happened, you know, Satan starts ragging on him. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, not all of us are, are as strong as Jesus, I wouldn't think. <laughs> and and getting alone out there, you know, sometimes you can you can get in a situation where it's just like, you know, constant dripping water. Sooner or later it's gonna wear away the wear away the 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 stone, you know. Yep. And that community is just such a, a key thing. Mm -hmm. And uh it can be hard because kind of like what you were saying, sometimes you can feel like you lose your community. You know, you can feel like the community is stripped from you. But maybe let's take it in this direction. 
So we've been talking a lot about about uh, the perspective of the one who has been hurt or who's harboring the pain. Maybe let's shift it to more of a mentor side where you're, or, you know, within your sphere of influence, you're a healthy individual, a healthy Christian per se. How can you help those around you? What are some of the warning signs of someone else who may have been in these circumstances and, and is needing help? And how can you help disciple them and, and, and or, or lead them through that and possibly, you know, help them get involved in a new community or at least be their community, you know, mm-hmm. be their shoulder to cry on and be their ear and, and listen. How would you say, I guess, what are those warning signs and what would you say um, is the proper method to help them through it? There's the old phrase, hurt people, hurt people comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, you know, in some situations it's, it multiplies on itself that someone who's been hurt, you know, might, might go forward and do that to other people. Maybe not that, but, you know, it's, it's funny, like we all, not funny, haha, but like ironic, we, we sometimes receive hurt in one area of our life. Let's say it's like, let's say that someone has gossiped about us, um, but then we might go and do something completely different to someone else and it doesn't ping our spirit as hurtful, you know, like it's that the whole love language issue, you know, so like, let's say um, I'm a... Like, for, for instance, I'm a words of affirmation kind of guy. Um, and it might be that um, if you talk negatively about me, if you disrespect me, that really hurts me. But then if I'm not going to serve the people around me, um, then I'm going to uh, hurt them in, in a way. I mean, that's super generic, but um, the hurt people hurt people thing. I, I think uh, isolation is a big one. Um, the truth is, as this is highlighted as a church planner for me, I would say um, that in a lot of cases, um, you won't know the warning signs because they may not ever step into the church or into your small group or into conversation with you. Um, but, you know, the, the, the common language in student ministry was, like, let's, for, for example, talk about, like, people that struggled with like self-injury or self-harm the the common thing that that I was taught of course this is back in like 2004 2005 when I was in college is that if a kid was going to cut themselves where you could see that it was a cry for help and that if a kid was going to cut themselves in like a more private place then you would never know you know, you'd never see the warning signs, and that's how you knew that it was, if you ever discovered that, or like if a parent found out somehow, or a doctor or a something, or someone, um, then you would know that it's in, a, it's, it's in a pretty bad place. So I think the thing that scares me about the warning signs is sometimes you won't know because it is locked in the vault, um, right. you know, but obviously sometimes people lash out. A lot of times people lash out. And that can be um, that can be a sign. A lot of times, um, people disappear. You know, um, I think for me, um, going back to the whole like I have my beliefs and I'm not going to push them on anybody. That has led me to sometimes not keep up with people who have been away from church or small group or whatever it is, um, and because I'm the kind of guy that when when I text people like, hey, we missed you at small group, we missed you at church, I feel like I'm guilting them into, 
oh, I'm sorry, you know, you know, I've been busy and it's job and blah, blah, blah. And like, it feels like this kind of obligatory transaction between a pastor or a small group leader and someone who's coming. But I had a friend tell me one time, uh, said, listen, either you can be overbearing <laughs> and reach out and they're annoyed by you, or you can not reach out at all and they'll feel hurt. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're going to have them react negatively, don't you want to be overbearing? Don't you? Because you could say you reached out, or you could say you just totally disengaged. And I think health, the healthy people, and listen, I'm not saying I'm the Messiah here, but I'm saying as I look at the landscape, there's fewer and fewer healthy believers. There's fewer and fewer healthy disciple makers uh, actually engaged in God's mission. Um, I think there's more maybe than I would accept. I think there's 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 a healthier focus on disciple making right now than there there has been in my lifetime, which is short. I get it, um, but for those of us who are positioned uh, or, or or stewarded with this position of leadership in the church, I think it's on us to make sure that we are like sheep, like the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to go do the one, um, to be constantly eyes open, ears open, like where where are people at? And that can be difficult in a large group. So like if you're a pastor of a, a thriving student ministry with a lot of, you know, engaging activities and, and stuff like that, it can be difficult. That's why you break things down to the small group level and you task these small group leaders with like, hey, keep up with keep up with your students, text them, call them, go get Sonic with them every once in a while, go bowling with your group and keep up with them. And that's why I, I feel like the healthy people. This is this is my whole philosophy. I think you have to get out in front of it. I think you have to know it's coming, stay involved in people's lives, and that when you are involved, if if you are in constantly investing in people, they I, I truly believe they'll reach out when times are tough. Um, I've had people say, why don't you tell me that you're going through a hard time? And here's my answer. <laughs> like, it's hard for me to say this, but the truth is I have people I talk to about this stuff. First and foremost, my wife. Like, I'm going to bring that to my wife. Secondly, I'm going to bring it to my few guys in my life. Like, not, I'm, not women, like my few guys in my life just because I'm a male. Because that's why I say that. Like, um, uh, you know, there's there's some guys in my life that I'm going to go to. There's this week I've had probably conversations with about five or six guys that I would call some of my close friends, and those are the guys that I'm like, you have full entrance into my life. Here's what's going on. You know, help me forge a better path. I'm struggling. You know, here's where I need help. And those guys invest in me. I invest in them. And that's how we get out in front of it. So if you're in a, a friendship level, obviously be investing in that person over and over and over again so that you can see this healthy community thing blossom and happen naturally, organically. That's organic. Like, it's when it's forced when you're on Sunday morning. You'd be like, anyone have anything they want to talk about? It's like, nope, not interested. Yeah. <laughs> anyone want to raise their hands and come down here and get on this mic and uh, talk about their, like, nope. Not, I'm not going to talk to a counselor inside some cold white wall office. Like I'm not like 
I'm going to talk to these people. And I'm going to talk to my friends, you know, who are walking with me. Or if it's a small group leader or a pastor, someone who's discipling me, a parent, a spouse. Um, so, so my goal is this. Um, I am, uh, and by the way, that's super um, maybe stressful because you're like, man, I don't have much to offer. I don't have much to give. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm not, I don't have my stuff together. Um, I don't think anyone is tasked with being perfect or being everyone's problem solver. But um, Andy Stanley gave this illustration one time. He said, you have a cup and that, that, that cup is no bigger than the one that it's, it's the one God gave you. And he's going to fill it up with whatever he's filled it up with, with your experience, with your convictions, with your heart, with your, with your friendships, with your, you know, ability to help people or counsel or, 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 or just be a, a shoulder to cry on or a friend to talk, you know, over coffee with. And, and no one is expecting you to do anything more than just to empty your cup. And so in my life, what I'm trying to do is just as, as best as I can, which is a bivocational, a new bivocational pastor, I am awful at this. But just to check in every once in a while, say, how you doing? You know, how's your heart? Whatever. I'm not talking about with everyone in the world. I'm just talking about the people that God has given you influence over and friendship with. So if it's family, friends, coworkers, just to be able to reach in and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know I was praying for you. you know, see how you're going. I know you're going through a tough time. You know, how's it going? And uh, constantly investing in people like that, emptying your cup, you know, I think that's uh, that's it for me. No one's expecting everyone to be a, a counselor, but you'd see less church hurt if you saw people investing. But most people are concerned with how are you going to fill me up? How are you going to help me? And and I get that. And that's kind of how you're born and you're you're wanting to be served and you're wanting to be helped. But we need more people, healthy disciple makers, healthy Christians, healthy believers in the church that are willing to just keep their eyes open and to serve people, not just like serve coffee at the, the cafe table or, or, or to clean up or sweep or I'm not talking about that. I'm, just, I'm talking about like actually like get messy in people's lives. Um, you know, obviously not a stranger, like not like everyone stand up and shake hands. Hey, how's your heart? Let's talk real quick. You know, obviously yeah. there's going to be people in your life that you know. Um, and if it's one person, if it's five people, if it's 10, just to, to use a little bit of the time that God has given you this week, this day, this whatever, and to be able to reach out. I, I think it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have a seminary degree to show people love. And uh, I think one of the reasons that we have so much church hurt is because we have too many people that want to receive, um, but aren't readily, aren't readily giving anything to anyone. And so you got a lot of people that are desperate to receive, which is very real. Uh, we need some we need some healthy people that are ready to stand up and own some of that that giving. Well, and I think a, a very awesome thing you said earlier, and kind of going back to that, is literally anyone listening to this podcast right now uh, can offer the best thing ever, and that's just an ear. Yeah, you know, yeah. just an ear to listen and hear someone's heart out and hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's going on in their life. And those are the moments that true friendships made. And I honestly think that that's where most of our come-to-the-altar moments happen now. They're not on Sunday morning. They're, right. they're those one-on-one -on -one discipleship you know, moments. And discipleship goes both ways. You know? mm -hmm. You're the ear listening, mm -hmm. but you're being discipled at the same time because this person's confiding in you. And, and we all have those moments of the, being the shepherd or the sheep. 
Yeah. And I just think that that's a, a beautiful thing you said earlier about that is literally, it doesn't matter. Like you said, you don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to have any kind of evangelical, um, you know, philosophy background. You can mm-hmm. literally just say, Hey, I'm listening and I'm here. And that's and, what people desire. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I think you, when you, when you just offer your, you just, just, just to listen, um, and men are awful at this because we want to fix everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. of course, you know you're laughing because you're married. Uh, yep. Sometimes we're like, well, you just need to do this. And Elaine's giving you like a side eye. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. So, uh, so I think the thing that may help people who desire to help, uh, this is the one thing I want to say. <laughs> you don't have to have an answer either. You don't have to have like, yeah, please, please can, we, can we stop saying, well, you know, God has a purpose for everything, so I just I just really feel like there's purpose. Like knock it off because <laughs> because, because I think some of the best things that we can do for people are not to try to connect all the dots on day one. And uh I think discovery, by the way, I think rather than people saying, Well, here's three steps to getting you back on the right path, I think people discovering just through common dialogue and conversation with another believer um, opens up a ton. Like time in the word, time in prayer opens things up. I have seen things unlocked in accountability groups and Bible studies and camps, retreats and stuff like that. That honestly, here's the thing. That's why I think my favorite part, and Elaine can attest to this, my favorite part of our camps and retreats, I'm getting excited, uh, growing, going to doing student ministry was not the games. It wasn't like we would go to the beach to go to camp. It wasn't the beach. It wasn't the food. It wasn't the, the cool services and the lights and the whatever. It was at the end of every night we would get together and we would talk about what God was doing in our lives. And, and that happened nowhere else in anyone's life. Like, those teenagers weren't getting together on Friday nights to be like, let's talk about what God is doing in our life. Like that's not going to happen, but we were able to get together and talk about what God was doing in our lives. And it was just, it was spending a couple days away and it was just being able to open up to people that you're, you know, you're just enjoying this time with, but you're also like, you know, that stuff is wrong in your heart. You need to deal with it. And people would open up and people would just, just listen and I think sometimes when we say, well, you know, like God has a purpose for everything, even, even, you know, the family member's death or the abuse or the, the whatever, you know, uh, like if one more person says, uh, that, I don't know, this, I learned a long time ago, there's this, this ancient like Hebrew practice called sitting Shiva. And it's this desire to like, let's say there's a funeral. Okay. If, you, if there's a funeral or there's like a death in the family or something like that, and you've got someone who um, is going through this awful tragedy in their life, and, and there's a gathering at the home, and there's all these people, and you know what? You don't know what to say. And I, th- I think it's okay for you to not say anything, but just to be present, just to be there, just to be available. You know, it's that it's that whole like when you see someone's Facebook status, like, a death in the family or a, Hey, I need your prayers or blah, blah, blah. People say things like, if you need anything, let me know, which is a bit of a, like, let me put this weight on you to let me like, does that ever, I'm not, listen, say it. It needs to be said. It's obligatory. I get it. But to show up in somebody's life 
and just bring food. Listen, and that may just be my love language, food. But like, if you bring food over to my house and just say, hey, listen, I know you're going through a tough time. I just want to say I love you and just whatever. Like, golly, like I'm going to be ready to like open the floodgates and talk um, just because they're not trying to like preach at me like, hey, there's a purpose for this and blah, blah, blah. Like just to sit and be present, I think, is the one of the biggest gifts you can offer somebody. You don't have to say a word just to say, I know you're going through a tough time and I'm sorry. And uh, man, I think that could be a game changer for somebody. People don't necessarily want answers. Like they just want somebody to listen, just like air their dirty laundry out and like just have somebody say like, it's okay. Like I understand, you know, like just tell me, you know, what you're going through and stuff. And like they may not be looking of like why God allowed this to happen. You know, they just like want somebody to listen to them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with um, that, do you have any like final thoughts or anything that you want to say about church hurt or God hurt or just any, anything that we've been talking about? Yeah, I would. Um, I was just sitting here while we were talking thinking, I know that there's people that are listening that here's the deal. It's so hard to talk about this because you, you can't know the ins and outs of what each individual listener is wrestling with and the different ways they've been hurt by church, been betrayed, um, felt like what happened in church didn't match up with what the New Testament describes. And I just want to say I'm sorry uh, for all the ways that you feel hurt. Um, And I want to say that in a lot of situations, um, it may feel hopeless, but I hope that you'll be brave enough to just take one big brave step, which is to try again or to take a a new step into a new faith family. Um, Like I said earlier, I truly believe that God is, um, he's after, he's after you big time. And not in like a, like a, you know, like a, a principal wanting to discipline you, but as a loving father, He's waiting for his son to come home, his daughter to come home, and um, and it may be that that you've experienced some 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 of the stuff in your life that you didn't deserve, that no one deserves, um, and I, I just want to communicate that that doesn't make God any less good. Um, it does mean that He's given us free will, and sometimes we abuse that. A lot of times we abuse that, um, but He is very present. It says He's near to the brokenhearted that when we cry, he feels that too. And uh, I just want to say, like, there's no doubt someone is listening and it's just um, in the middle of one of the toughest seasons of their life. And gosh, if you don't have anyone to reach out to, I don't know, reach out to me. I don't know, you don't know me probably, but uh, find me on Facebook or something. Uh, find Elaine and Cody. Gosh, talk it out, you know, if you don't have anybody because uh, – I think that the enemy wants you to isolate yourself or to um or 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 even worse just to call it like nope this is this is the new normal and and I'm I'm not going to give it a try I'm not going to give God another chance and I just want to say uh don't let the one ugly thing or the few ugly things that have happened to you color the rest of your life because I believe God has something new around the corner. I believe he wants to redeem it. 
I don't think he was the author of it. I don't think he wanted that ugly thing to happen to you, but I do think he wants to redeem it in your life and turn it into something new and beautiful. And as hard as it may be to see that, I just want to dare you to take one step and um, and to take a, a big, brave step into having a conversation with someone, whether that's a, a small group leader, a pastor, a friend, Cody, Elaine, someone, someone. But um, don't don't shut God out just because you've had, um, you know, I mean, I, I think about when I was a kid, you know, I thought things were true. And now as an adult, obviously those things are not true. If I had the mind of a teenager for the rest of my life, I'm not knocking teenagers. I'm just saying I've learned a lot since I was 16. And if I thought, well, man, I'm going to live my life based on those teenager rules, I probably would not have learned the lessons that I've learned. Um, because you do have to take some big, brave steps. And God does new things, and you grow through that. And you learn there's, you know, there's there's the next day is coming. The sun is coming. And um, anyway, yeah, I would just, I would just uh, say don't give up. Don't dare give up. Thank you so much, Mark, for, for just saying that and just offering your sincere heart on, mm-hmm. on this topic. Um, where yeah. can people find you or... I'm sure. I, I believe that you get uh, you have a podcast for your church as well. Where can people hear more uh, about your church and and just find you? Sure, sure. So, um, all my stuff, all my social media is essentially Mark H. Cox, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, not cool enough for Snapchat. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 35. Um, and uh, our church is called Access Church. It's in Columbus, so it's actually in Dublin, Ohio. Um, but if you go to accesscolumbus.org. Um, that's also our our social so access at access columbus uh, we do have a podcast um that's where you can find our sermons and um and uh, uh you know also our facebook and stuff like that um i blog very infrequently at leadbeyondsunday.com very infrequently but leadbeyondsunday.com i'm trying to get better at it but i went by the location so i probably should just throw it in the trash but anyway that's where that is but I'd love to connect with you. Yes. Yeah, please do. Please go connect with Mark, everyone that's listening. And all of those links uh, will be in the show notes mm-hmm. below. And uh, Mark, real quick, I just wanted to give you a huge thank you for being one of the major influences in my wife's life. She talks about you literally every <laughs> single day, you and Christy and your children. And I'm looking forward to, uh, I know if I don't go up there and if we don't take a road trip uh, this uh, this fall and go up and see you guys, she's going to strangle me. So plan to see us <laughs> yeah. in person <laughs> because it's been on the book since last year and it, it kind of fell through last year. So we're planning on it. Yeah. But I just want to give you a huge thank you because you, uh, you know, I guess as a personal thanks because you helped make my wife the lovely lady she is. Oh, man. I just I can't be more than thankful. It, it's, but, it, it, it was such a huge honor. Some of my favorite moments were um were on Wednesday nights student you know student ministry nights Sunday mornings camps retreats stuff like that Elaine's a special girl for sure and um uh man thank you and if you don't come up here I will be personally offended so (laughs) well there we go so I don't have a choice now I I look forward to it I (laughs) I love driving and getting away and so we look forward to it Mark you got it and thank you for being on the podcast oh yeah it was an honor I love it uh, I think you guys are doing a great job. I love it. I'm listening. 
and uh, I, I don't have as much time for podcasts as I used to, but I've been trying to fit it in. So I love it. Keep going. You're doing the great. All righty, Mark. Well, we will talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, guys. We just want to thank Mark one more time for taking the time to come on to our show here and just uh, pour out his heart on this subject. Guys, if you want to get a hold of him, get in contact with him and everything that they got going on over there at Access Church in Columbus, or I guess Dublin, Ohio, uh, check out the show notes below and all the links will be there. Uh, If you haven't done so, please take a moment to subscribe. If you like what you hear, maybe leave a comment or a review. It would really help us out a lot. Always, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Reckless Pursuit Podcast on Twitter at underscore TRP Podcast. Or you can find us at TheRecklessPursuit.com where you can send us a voicemail, drop us an email, just say hi. As always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk soon. This week's episode is brought to you by Cedar Temple Trade Company. Cedar Temple is an apparel and home goods line on a mission to bring curiosity back to the Word of Christ with fresh, modern designs. They desire to not just spread the Word, but to look good doing it. Their shirts are some of the most comfortable tees you could wear, and they're constantly adding new products and designs to the mix. Oh, and did I mention that Cedar Temple is actually Elaine's and my very own brand? Yeah, that's right. When you order from Cedar Temple... You're helping Elaine and I do what we love and continue in our very own reckless pursuit. Because we are so thankful for all of you who take the time to listen to our show, Cedar Temple is offering a 20% discount on any single item you purchase. Head over to cedartemple.com and use offer code TRPPODCAST in all caps at checkout. That's T-R-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all caps, at cedartemple.com. Now, go inspire. Is probably one of the biggest influences in Elaine's life. Is that right, Elaine? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) What on earth?